0: for us—it takes us being humiliated with a limp in order for us to really be the blessing God intended us to be. You know, on that note, Andy and I banded
1: back, batted this one back and forth a lot the, the last time we got together. Uh, the the person that that Jacob Israel wrestled with in the in the wilderness—well, he was Jacob beforehand, who's Israel afterwards—except that the Bible would call him Jacob a whole Constantly. lot. And then Israel, when it said it was going to tell you about Jacob, but in any case, who is that, Who who is, uh, by your reckoning, who
0: is that man? Uh, well, how does it describe it? Let's look at the text for a minute. Where is that? Is that 39? <laughs> well, is, a is that Genesis 39? I think that's where that is. Am I right? Uh, oh, no, that's, 18. we're in Joseph in 39. Um, Let's see here. Where are we at?
2: It's definitely not 38. Because that's Tamar. Okay,
0: it is 32. There we go. 32. So it says, Jacob's left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket and they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. I know I'm probably reading stuff y'all have already read. Um, he says, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, that's him searching for the blessing, right? What's your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be... It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Um, So right there, what does Jacob say? He says, well, it's the place that I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And so um, it appears I'm assuming that word God, and I haven't looked at the text there. I would assume, is that an Elohim reference? Anybody got your Hebrew Bible hanging out? Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> I want to I say it is, but that was Genesis, end of Genesis 32, right?
0: Yes, Genesis 32. That was actually verse, that is verse 30. But Jacob there states that this is God he wrestled with. And so when you dig into, okay, so who is it that God wrestled? Who is it that Jacob wrestled with? What do you mean he wrestled with God? Well, throughout the Old Testament, we see God in two ways. And and see is not the right word to use. Uh, Experience him. Well, God is in the Old Testament in two ways. He's this God who is spirit, as we see God the Father described. And then he is also a God who takes on physicality, which is the way we see Jesus in the New Testament.
2: It is Elohim. I just forgot that the verses in the Hebrew Bible don't match the verses in the English Bible. That's so true. Take a second to find it. <laughs> that's true. Good job, Andy. You like, found, hey, <laughs> you found it. That's what matters. I, I haven't. Like, why is it so hard to find? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's in the
0: wrong
1: wrong verse. Wrong verse. Yeah, and, and so that's the uh, that that's the big question that then comes along is we see we see moments in time where we we are told like this is God taking on human form, and this is like or like pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah, and, and God take on human form, and like, the thing I said last week was, if God wants to do that, like, are we, are we going to put limitations on him and say, well, no, you can't do that because X, Y, Z. Um, but why, uh, why would he choose to take human form in those circumstances mm-hmm. instead of just be uh, a, a, burning, a voice in a burning bush or a, uh, you know, a voice in a talking donkey?
0: Well, I, I think something we miss, sorry, Andy, did I cut you off?
2: Well, I was just going to say a little caveat there is that, sure, God could do things He wants to, but I, but we do need to be careful that that isn't used as an excuse to basically say theology doesn't matter. Like what we believe about God doesn't matter because God knew every once. True. So just, just True. like inserting that, just in case anybody was thinking.
0: Well, I and and you see, so I think something we don't see as I've done a lot of homework over the last several years. I think something we don't see in the Old Testament that is there is I think God appeared to people in physical form much more often than the text suggests. For instance, in, in, in Genesis 12, when he shows up to, Abraham, to Abram and says, Come, follow me. Well, when you see how he shows up to Abraham the other times, he shows up physically mm-hmm. several times to Abraham. Several? One, two, three? I don't know. At least once, At least he once. shows up physically to Abram that we see in the text. And my guess would be that he does that some of these other times that we don't see and and we we and and we don't want to add things to the text but it's it if you don't a a lot of scholars will tell us that the idea of who abram abram is interacting with is has physicality And, and so that that's i think we see we see less of that in the text than is actually there so i think our understanding of how God talks to his people early in his story, I think we actually, just because of our experience of not having encountered God physically, we read our, our own experience into the text.
2: Yeah, I mean, a thousand years later, more than that, in Augustine's time, he's still having confusion about whether God is like a physical thing or physical entity that you could like physically walk to. So yeah, like absolutely, back in ancient times, you did not have this idea that God has to always be invisible, spiritual, not physical kind of thing.
0: For sure. And, and it makes sense that if the person of the Trinity that we talk about having physicality in the New Testament is who appeared in the New Testament, then why isn't he the guy who appeared in the Old Testament? And, and he is, oh, no, Andy, you're raising your hand.
2: I think it's very dangerous to assume any time God appears physically, it's Jesus. Because at that point, what's the incarnation? Why do we care? Like, well, it's, so, it's, it's, it's time 472 that God became man, so man, whatevs.
0: So, so I heard something really interesting the other day. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and a guy was talking about this. And they asked the question, so what was, what was a pre-incarnate Christ like? And one of the guys said, well, the pre-incarnate appearances of Christ... Were the same Christ who appeared following the resurrection, because following the resurrection, when he ascended into heaven, time no—he no longer dealt with time in a linear path the way he did when he was here on earth, and so it was the pre-incarnate Christ who showed up to Abram and to—and um, it was literally, it was literally the resurrected Christ with nail scars, <laughs> who showed up to Abram and to Moses, and uh, and to Jacob.
1: This is the point in time when uh, David Tennant shows up and says, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a good time to
2: also point out that like, we're having fun here. This is not like primary theological issues here. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, like, Forgot the, to mention that. The thing that thing sends me is that after Jesus ascends into the clouds and there's an angel that says that when he comes back, he'll come back exactly the way that you saw him go. And then when Paul's just about to go get arrested in Jerusalem, Jesus appears to him, physically appears to him before he goes down. That, like, what, the first time I read that in, in the book of Acts, like, you, like, his, his buddy like, like prophesies to him by like tying like, a belt around his feet and says, this is going to happen to you if you keep going on this path. And he said, I'm, I'm going. The next day he woke up and like, I think he felt the full weight of the fear of what was coming and, you know, going there, being arrested and being putting, put in chains and being brought to Rome, um, or like eventually he would be brought to Rome. Um, but I think that I, I you know, I don't, you know, it's of, of course it's dangerous to, uh, ascribe motive to God that he did not claim, but it may have been just because Paul needed that reassurance of his physical presence. Because what he was about to do was so intense and frightening and uh, painful, uh, you know being being you know being roughly arrested and like things like that that he actually would need the manifestation of actual physical Christ in that place uh, just to be able to have the the courage to drive on. but even then there, there's a moment that's outside of that outside of that box where Jesus appeared physically that even steps outside of, you know.
2: I do want to challenge the idea the that box. post-resurrection Jesus is not material, though. Because to me, that questions what the resurrection is. Like, all of a sudden, the resurrection is just, we feel in our hearts that Jesus isn't dead anymore. Oh, no. Well, like, uh, if, 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 if Jesus' actual body is not raised from the dead, then what are we talking
0: about? No, absolutely. But well, what I was saying was, it wasn't, it's not that he's immaterial he's completely physical it's that following the ascension he is now in the heavenly places with god somehow physically that's a lot of math to do yeah but and i can't show my work but <laughs> the but then because he no longer interacts with time like we do he then physically post resurrection jesus showed up in these old testament experiences that's what the, that was the conversation this guy was having hmm. And uh, he's a guy who knows way more than I do. But
1: uh... wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, man.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, so I, I, okay, uh,
1: a, a different question that is um, on, on a slightly different topic. The, Cain. Uh, Kane. Cain? Kane. Yeah. I hope that's somewhere I thought you were going. Okay. Yeah, Cain, <laughs> uh, when, his, when his offering was rejected, oh, yes. in your estimation, uh, be- because there's there's no actual like there's, there's no actual th- anything written in text for why his off- why his offering was rejected in in your estimation what was the source or what was the the reasoning or the cause of that rejection.
0: So, so which theologian do you want me to be as I answer this question? <laughs> <laughs> because if you're Calvin, I know exactly the answer. If you're Calvin, the answer is he didn't have faith. That's the answer if you're Calvin. <laughs> he was not the elect and didn't have faith because he was not the elect. If, uh, if you're Luther, I would assume Luther would say, well, he didn't have faith. That was why he... So if you're one of the reformers, the answer is, well, he didn't have faith. Um, but I don't... You know, I... I don't know that I have a great answer for that. What did what did y'all come up with when you were talking about it previously?
2: We came up with and I quote <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, I, we, I do think We committed it, to her. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I I do think it
2: shows something that is a running theme where God keeps blessing someone and a lot of the a lot of the problems come up because everybody else is acting like God can only bless one person. Like this like blessings from God are a zero sum game. If, if you get blessed, I can't get blessed. God only loves one person at a time. And so I do think it is sort of the beginning of this problem that keeps expanding where when people act like God is only going to love one person, they act wrong. That being said, that does not actually answer the question. <laughs> that, that is just something you can take from the story. That does not actually answer the question at all.
0: Yeah,
1: for sure. As a, as a guy who trains people to worship, the thing that I will always, oftentimes take away from it is talking about this is what sparks the worship wars. When... Uh, When when you have failed in your worship effort and instead of saying I'm going to go and do better and instead of what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and dog and dunk on the guy who did not get rejected the way that I got rejected and bring his his effort down so that my effort at least is on the same playing field as his. Um and I'm like I've I've heard lots of people say well it's because he didn't sacrifice something with blood in it Or I, I've heard people say it wasn't like the first fruits of whatever and I'm like and like I, I carried that one for years because I someone said no oh, it's first fruits and you know I was like well it's a pastor guy in a pulpit saying it so you
2: have to sacrifice something with blood <clears throat> sort of like the grain offering <laughs> right yeah exactly
1: cuz there's a lot of blood in weed. wheat <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you bake you bake a cake <laughs> <laughs> well have you never heard of blood sausage <laughs> <laughs> so, in any case, um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 lots of like uh, um, you know uh, sermon fodder that, it, that that ends up going into it, but there's nothing actually definitively in there that says this is why God said no.
0: So, is the conclusion that we take away that sometimes we don't get worship right, and God rejects our worship because we didn't get it right? Yeah, and therefore, <laughs> we have the choice at that point whether to murder our brother and go start a city with a bunch of people we don't know where they came from. Yeah. Or cool. we can repent and continue to worship. I mean, isn't that kind of where the story ends up going? Yeah. And Cain made the obvious, Cain made the decision to murder his brother and go start a city with a bunch of people we don't know where they came from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and and had he, had could he have repented? There's nothing in the text that makes you think he could not have repented. And. So I would say I would say, our challenge there is reading what the text really says and not reading everything into the text that it we want it to say. I think that's probably our challenge there. Yeah. Because I think the lesson's, I think it's a clear lesson, and I think it's very helpful. And I think it explains a lot. It says a lot about worship. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why we feel like, and, you know, I guess that's one of the things in the last... I'm 47. I guess that's one of the things in the last 10 years or so I've begun to really take a breath and let go of. Is I've begun to really become mindful of, I don't need to know this thing that the text does not say to me in order to believe rightly in who God is and to follow Jesus. And I think that's probably a pretty important takeaway from this story.
2: It's okay to not know.
0: It's okay to not know. But, and God has given us what he wants us to know. I think there's a very clear lesson about worship. There's a very clear, clear lesson about not murdering people. And there's a lot of fun questions about where did all these other people come from. <laughs> I love, all, I love all three. Yeah, I... I, love, I love all three things because where would we be if, if the Bible didn't make us? Really wonder about the strange questions.
1: <laughs> I watched Andy tense up every time you said, where all these people come from. <laughs> no, I, I was laughing. I was trying not to laugh on mic. Josh, okay, so
0: Josh Swamidas has one of the most interesting books about, Josh Swamidas and I'm not getting this right, has worked on human genome. And he has done the homework to figure out how many generations it takes for someone's DNA to get to all the rest of the humans on earth. And he has figured out, his, he postulates in this book that, or theorizes in this book, which word am I supposed to use there, Andy? You're the, it doesn't matter. You're the scientist here. I postulates it, it doesn't matter. It makes it sound smirty. His, uh, he, he theorizes in this book, or he throws out the idea, he hypothesizes in this book. Yeah. Hey, what if, what if people, what if people had already evolved when the creation, the creation of man story in Genesis 2 happened? And God then from dirt, just like we see, from the clay, just like we see, created this specific couple to be his priests on this earth where sin was already a thing. And then they failed him. And then if you're a good reformed human, you then realize that, oh, well, it only takes like, it only takes like. 30 generations for Adam's DNA to have gotten to everybody else on earth. And so you can still have original sin infecting everybody else. But uh, there's, there's some really interesting Genesis stuff happening right now.
2: There's a variant of that that takes creation out of dirt to be a statement about our connection to creation rather than literal, but does basically the exact same thing. And it's sure. also reformed because it is essentially saying, what, are you shocked that God chose certain people to do this. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, ins- I am
0: in no way insinuating that Josh Das is reformed. Um, he just threw that out in a conversation yeah. he was having with, with talking about how reformed theology still works. If you, if you use this because it only takes this many generations, cause he's done the homework. This is his line of study and uh super interesting. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, William Craig has also re- very recently done a search of the original, of the real Adam-ish, I can't remember the name of the book, book as well. And I read it and don't remember a thing that was in it because I read it on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get on the plane to come home from vacation, you don't remember anything that you read while you were on vacation.
1: Brain flush. Yeah, but, but you're, you're right, though, when we when we come down, down to it, like, like there's the proverb that says you set eternity in our minds. And like he's given us a, a flavor and a taste to to pick and poke at some of the things that are like that are really like unsolvable things. To try to try and imagine what infinity backwards and forwards is actually like. Because as created beings, we have a we have a genesis, we have a beginning, and there is such a thing as infinity backwards. And we just can't we can't see it, but we can try and look at it sometimes. But the point is that there's there's a thing that he has set there for us to discover. And it's discoverable there, and it's the, the fact that He made us, that He he made us to discover Him. He made us to enjoy Him, that He made a specific way for us to enjoy Him and to join Him uh, in joy. And I, there was a, I'm not even going to say His name because yeah, He made a mess out of His life, but He, he did say something where it's, in uh, uh, joining Him in that salvation, you end up living a life of uh, perpetual uniqueness. And... Um, and a perpetual uniqueness and novelty—I think—is exactly how he uh, how he phrased it. Um, but um, I, it, it is time for us to uh, to wrap this up. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us in the in the costume closet today. Uh, I, I understand you're going to uh, um, remove one of these shelves here just so you can um, pad up. Come with you. Yeah. Um, but uh, as a
2: gift for each of our guests, they get a rack a full rack. of old costumes <laughs> uh, and, the <laughs>
1: and the Centurion hat. And the Centurion hat. And if you'd uh, like to join
2: us and get one of your own. <laughs>
1: And in, uh, in show notes, um, Jonathan puts out a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of YouTube shorts every week, and so I'll actually link to some of the YouTube shorts that, uh, that, that Jonathan puts out uh, for, his, uh, for his sermons. They, um, they have gotten to the point where they have started uh, gathering attention from people who like to go on the Internet and say weird things. Not even like scandalous things, just weird. Well, that, things. that's
0: how you know that someone's watching your video. Yes. <laughs> that's <like something> weird. <laughs> and I love, I love, I love responding. I can't remember what the guy said the other day. He said something about, about Easter being the Super Bowl, the the church Super Bowl that you have to go sit through church and something else. And, and my reply was, "Bummer, I'm sorry you've had that kind of experience. Tell me about your spiritual beliefs." and uh, I didn't get a response to that for some no. weird reason. <laughs> no, because he was there to troll, not to talk. <laughs> it's weird. Trolls never respond. They go back no. under the bridge yeah. where they
1: came from. <laughs> you forgot to pay the toll <laughs> in anger. All right. But uh, we'll, we'll have Jonathan on again at some point in time, especially when we get stuck on something in Genesis. I think it'll probably be our first explicit episode. Um In the the book of Exodus. I want to
0: come back for the first explicit episode.
1: That's my goal. Um, It it, it may be for the question, when is it actually permissible to lie Um, in the first chapter of Exodus? I I
0: think the explicit one we're looking for is the one where they talk about why women should cover their heads. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's the one where we get into the explicit stuff. Andy, have you read up on that? A little bit. I'll send you a podcast. (laughs) Oh,
1: no. Yeah, we... Okay, uh, this one is not getting. Oh gosh!
2: Okay,
0: <laughs> but until we until we gather
1: again, whether we just
2: skip to Ruth to the end of Ruth for a bit. Oh heavens!
1: <laughs> until, until we get ourselves until we get ourselves canceled worse than Joe Rogan. <laughs> this is the Unimposter's Podcast. I'm Damien. I'm Andy. And I'm Jonathan. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time.